Welcome to the Strong Single and Human podcast, a real look at single parenting, how to navigate the ups and downs of life with kids on your own while keeping sane. We cover all manner of subjects from domestic violence, dealing with childhood trauma, through to fussy eaters and how to help your kids become resilient. I'm your host, Claire Martin. Welcome. Kate Hafnagel is on a mission to make it easier for individuals and families to talk about and prepare for the day when their loved ones pass away. She educates people on what makes up today's estates and the laws and policies that can make things more difficult for your person. Kate helps people get their affairs in order, which can save their loved ones hundreds of hours of frustration and the estate thousands of dollars of legal fees. She also assists individuals in organising their digital lives and provides guidance on utilising technology in a way that safeguards privacy and provides peace of mind. In the world of single moms, being prepared for the inevitable not only will make things easier for children, but also has the potential to be your greatest legacy. This is The Strong Single and human podcast. Hi, Kate. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Claire. I am super excited to be here today. Well, I'm excited that you're here. However, it's a bit of a serious subject that we've got to talk about today, but it definitely, as a single parent, and I've been in this position, as a single parent, there's no sticking your head in the sand with this subject. We, You've really got to actually just go for it because... Otherwise, you're just going to leave so many people in such a pickle when you pass away. And that's what we're talking about. Sorting out estates and your affairs and stuff like that. Uh, so that if, God forbid, if the unfortunate was to happen and you were to start on your other journey, and that's how I like to think of it, then, um, yeah. So, so first of all, right, before we get into all of the detail, how did you get into all of this? Oh, I'm so glad that you're asking that question, Claire. My my answer or my story, just like most stories, is multidimensional. Um, so my story probably starts in 1998 when I moved from, like I was born and raised outside New York City. And in 1998, I got my first big girl job as my bonus daughter now calls it, in Los Angeles, right? So here I am, I'm, I'm in LA, I'm living on the beach and working as an engineer and I'm getting this paycheck that I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I, what do, I do with all of this money? Spend. <laughs> well, I was not raised to do that. Um, well, no, no, no. And no, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. But, um, so I had gone to the library and actually I still have this book because I um, went to the library, checked it out, and then I bought it by Susie Orman called You've Earned It. It's called You Earn Don't It, Don't Lose, lose it. it, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And I'm also the oldest child. So I'm reading this book and there's a couple of chapters in that book that Susie's talk that Susie talks about wills and estates and really ultimately protecting 
this, your legacy, whether it's your financial legacy, your kids, et cetera. And I remember calling up my mother and asking her, mom, like you, you and dad have, have all your things like straightened out from a legal perspective. Right. And, um, you know, she's of the generation. She's now just about 80, you know, they don't like to talk about these things. So her response to me was, oh yes, you, you, we have a funeral folder and that was it. End of story. And back then I was looking at it through the lens of as the oldest child, I would probably someday be responsible for fulfilling their wishes, settling their, their estate, you know, whatever phrase you want to use. And so my first, quite frankly, my first mistake back then was I didn't make a will for myself. I didn't make my first will until my late twenties. And by that point, I was single, never married, no kids. And I realized suddenly after buying my first piece of property and making what I felt was a, a bit of money, it's like, I, I need to get my legal affairs documented. And I continued updating that a couple of times. I probably have updated my documents now like four times, and I'm going to turn 50 wow. next year just to give the audience some perspective. Um, and you don't look it. Thank you. <laughs> Nobody can see you, but you just definitely don't look <laughs> thank it. Thank you. Um, you know how to stroke my ego, Claire. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, that's fine. No, no, you so don't look it, but that's okay. Good lighting. That's all I'm going to no, say. Good lighting. Thank you. Um, Colorado <laughs> sun. Um, so yeah. here I am from a from a professional life fiercely independent single starting to accumulate as i go into my 30s and my 40s start to accumulate in my mind wealth right everyone has a different definition layered on top of that is i worked in the it field and at work being a project manager and then a program manager and then like a a people manager, you know, at one point I had uh, like about a hundred people working for me. I always was asking the question, okay, team or organization, what are we going to do if you get hit by the ice cream truck or you win the lottery? If you do not come back to work tomorrow for whatever reason, are we as an organization going to be able to continue working with minimal disruption. Yes, of course, you know, if something were to happen to you, we would be all upset. And if you won the lottery, we would be cheering you on. Um, but we ultimately had a job to do. So from a career and work perspective, I was always making sure that the people working for me had the had their important information organized. So yes. Yeah. And then I think, Claire, I think you work in IT as well, too. So I do exactly the same as what you do, project and program management, right? Risk is, risks are your friends, right? Yes. Because then, yeah, and my, and my team would laugh at me saying that if they listen to this, because I'm, I'm always saying it, risks are your friends, right? The, you want to be pulling out the risks so that you can then plan for if they do occur, you've got a plan there, right? Yeah. Or you've deferred it or you've, you know, just said, well, we'll deal with it if it happens, but you know. Right, exactly. And so as, as our digital world became more and more commonplace, 
And as a fiercely independent woman going through my 20s, my 30s, and into my 40s, I started realizing like, wow, what I'm doing at work, I need to apply in my personal life because I've got all these online accounts. No one knows how to get into them. No one knows how to access my phone. Um, so about two, almost two years ago now, I basically like retired early and decided to go into the world of estate organizing, though I tend to prefer the phrase legacy organizing. I like to ask people like, you know, what is the legacy that you want to leave behind? Yes. And since then, so in my mid to late 40s, I have now met the love of my life. I've become a bonus mom. And he, when I met him, was the primary financial caregiver of his children. So I was using my relationship with him and asking questions, probably very similar to what we're going to talk yeah. about today of like, <laughs> you know, and, and he had gone through a divorce. And then, you know, I just remember vividly um, a few years ago, he's looking at me, he's like, I got to update all of my documents because my former spouse at this point in time is still going to be in charge of XYZ. And so I saw that there was like that aspect of kind of coaching. I don't want to say so much like the single parent, but the parent who, like I said, was the primary yeah. financial care caregiver. And then last summer, as I'm now venturing to this world of helping people organize all their important life details, my father had um, medical emergency, actually had two medical emergencies just a little over a year ago. And I flew home because my siblings have like littles. I was in a position where I had some flexibility. And after hearing my parents tell me for what now, 25 years, that they have everything in in place, what they realized was they didn't necessarily have everything organized. So the story that I like to tell wow. is each of them carry what I, I what I affectionately refer to as their like little black books. Each of them have one. It's oh like an adjunct. My mother didn't realize until the first night that I was home that my father had written all of his passwords down in code. And she didn't know what the code was. <gasps> and and look, and hats off to your dad, right? Like at the end of the day, he was like, I'm writing this post test down, but don't want somebody to find this book and then be looking at the passwords and like accessing everything. <laughs> However, he needs to communicate yes. the code yes. at least to close relatives because like yourselves. Wow. God, hats off to him. Because being in IT, you and I both know, protect your passwords, but <laughs> which you did. Yes. And but, so um, that oh, just wow. gave me a whole other level wow. of perspective, especially dealing with, you know, the generation that, you know, really didn't grow up with devices. Now, granted, I didn't either, right? I didn't get my first email account until my junior year in, in university. Um, but it really gave me this like, oh, wow, this generation uh, before me is really approaching things from a, from a different mindset. And then the generation that's following me 
you know, is, is, doesn't do much anything in paper. And, you know, my generation is kind of straddled between the two, though probably a little bit more digital. Um, so all of these life experiences, Claire, really helped put me into this, okay, I want to leverage my IT background. I want to help people, friends, colleagues, family members who I had been helping like informally. And then about two years ago, I, I just was like, you know what, like this, there is a need for this, especially in our high tech world. And so I just decided to kind of go all in uh, with, with my work. Wow. Crikey. And, and like, we have to make it very clear that you're not like an attorney or a lawyer or something like that, that we do, you like you, that, cause I've, I employed a lawyer to, so five years ago, I had a heart operation and, um, and so really, right. You've been doing this for years, right? I only did it five years ago. Right. And I had had a two-year-old and I should have been doing it a lot earlier. Right. So I've got investment properties and, and various different other things, right? Like you accumulated my own wealth, independent, you know, professional woman, had a child, had a heart operation, had a heart defect as such. Well, it wasn't a defect, but like an irregular heartbeat. Went and had surgery and thought, well, what about if I don't make it through surgery, right? What about if something goes wrong? So did the old will and, um, but like, what was I? I was oh, five years ago. I would have been 46, right? So. Well, it is never too late to late. do a will, but. Right. Well, okay, fair enough. But like, I should have really been doing yes, it a lot I earlier mean, and just updating it. That's, that's, that's the advice that I like to give people and I think attorneys as well, right? Because uh, unfortunately, you know, the inevitable, yes, right? It's that we, we are humans, it's the circle of life. It's inevitable that we are going to pass away, right? What we don't know is the circumstances. We don't know the timeline. And so it's, it's important, especially if we have children, to make sure that we have our wishes documented. As you mentioned, Claire, I'm not an attorney, um, but you know, and and that's a whole other um, that's a whole other aspect. And I think we're going to talk about some of that today. Um, but the difference between me as an organizer and an attorney is I pick up where the attorney lets off. Right? Most people work with an attorney every five or to 10 years on average in terms of like updating their documents because life events happen. And, you know, maybe the person that you have, say you have put in charge of the, as being the guardian of your children, you know, maybe five, 10 years down the road, Maybe something unexpected happens to them. Maybe something happens to the relationship with that you have with that person and you want someone else to be the guardian of your children. Or maybe you get married and you want to make your spouse now the guardian of your children. So I like to suggest to people that every year, whether it's your birthday or it's your favorite holiday or your anti-favorite holiday, is just kind of ask yourself, 
okay, everything that I've worked with my attorney on and all of the people that I have named to be in charge of potentially different aspects, do I still want them to be in charge? Okay, good, right? And that takes what? 60 seconds to just ask yourself. Um, but the hard work is probably yeah. putting everything down on paper the first time. It's not easy to yeah. think about these scenarios. And so in my mind, and I um, coach my clients, it's really important to find an estate attorney that not only has like the expertise that you need, given your own unique situation, but you also want to find an attorney that like you can, that you feel comfortable with and that you gel with because you're going to be having some tough conversations with them. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, and it's important. It is so important to actually make sure that you get the right team around you so that it makes that transition. I'm going to call it a transition um, when you pass easier on everyone, right? You, you're, you know, I mean, you could become ill. Um, and so therefore, if everything's in order, it makes it put your mind a little bit more at rest because you've got everything in order. Everyone around you um, sort of is aware. So yeah, no, and it just takes that. Yeah, absolutely, takes Claire, that because worry, like, like you about five years ago, so, I actually had my own medical diagnosis, like one of the worst cases of endometriosis my doctor had ever seen. So I went through this like year long, intense treatment that I wouldn't wish on anybody. Um, but then at the end, I knew that I was going to be having a hysterectomy. So during that year, it was, okay, let me take out my documents and just be like, okay, do I have to give any of my documents a facelift or are we good? But also having that already, or already having those instructions in place where then I was coming from this, like, okay, do I have to make any tweaks to it? It allowed me to have more time to just enjoy being with my loved ones, right? Mm. So that heaven forbid, if something did go wrong yeah. on that operating table, I knew that we had maximized our time together. Yeah, yeah, and it like, and it like it is insane, right? Like. I, like you're 50, right? So five years ago, you were 45. I was 46, right? And the thing is, right, we sit there and you go, I'm, I'm young. I'm young. Why is this happening yeah. to me? But it can happen at any time, like in your 30s, in your 20s. Like there's a myriad of different situations out there. So what is it if you have a thought about zero, zip, nothing, right, and – and you might sit there as a single parent and go, well, I'm renting a property. I don't have much. But what is it that you need to consider? Because it doesn't matter whether you've not got much, got a house, um, whatever, right? There are things that you really do need to yes. still consider. Yeah. Even if you're not, and even want, if you and don't own back stuff to that, like, like a property. The perception or the feeling that, you know, maybe you don't have wealth or property well, let's start with some of some common ground, right? So 
Claire, you know, you and I, we've just been talking about uh, both of us having some serious medical procedures within the last five years, right? So from that perspective, you're going to want, at least I think your audience is going to want to have someone in charge of medical decisions, right? Right? Uh, Yeah. And when you spoke to me about this, it blew me away because I hadn't even thought about that. I hadn't even thought like, I thought, well, I'd always be the person who made those decisions. There wouldn't be a point where somebody would have to make that decision. But you're right. Like, and I'm not sure I'd want it to be my child either. That's where having those more like difficult or challenging conversations with the attorney, right? And an attorney can kind of like, my expression is throw darts at your proposal. Like, okay, I, I would want my, my sister to be in charge of medical decisions. Okay. Well, do you think your sister is going to be in the frame of mind to be making those decisions? Have you spoken to your sister about what you would want her to do and what decisions to make? Um, and, you know, kids, if your kids are, are minors, they're leak, at least in the U.S., they're not going to be able to make those decisions. Um, right. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's so the same here. my bonus son is going off to university here in a couple of months. And here in the United States, he's over 18 and he's going to be playing athletics for his university. And they are actually asking him to designate his person or persons to be in charge of medical decisions as part of, okay, you're going off to college. Like you need to, to think about this. Um, I'm excited, quite frankly, that the college Uh is prompting him to do this because my husband and I were going to do it anyway, because he's going to be out of state. He's going to be eight, 10 hours away. And if something were to happen to him and we did, and my husband did not have that legal authority to make those decisions, then that's going to require my husband to go to court, get an attorney, may, and have like an emergency hearing. And I'm, how much money is that going to cost? And what are the time delays going to be associated with it? So, so, so can I just clear up, right? So, and I know we're talking about the US here, and I would need to research and find out does if you are a parent, um and you're not immediately the person who can make a decision on your child who is over the age of 18 that is because they're deemed as an adult am i right so under the age of 18 you can make a decision regarding your child's health however i have to say there is a case in perth that recently hit the headlines because the mother, the hospital deemed that the child needed to stay in hospital and the mother deemed that she wanted a second opinion and the hospital actually ruled against the mother's wishes and basically um, it was overruled and so the mother didn't, hasn't got a leg to stand on. <laughs> so, so yeah, so it, there are situations, I'm not going to be poo-pooing everything, right? Um, and I don't know the details. It's just a headline I read and went, oh, my God, because um, I would hate for that to happen to me and my son. 
um, and felt for the mum because of the situation you're in. But um, yeah, and so that's happened here in the US. Where, yeah, that's yeah, happened in the US where very um, clear. Maybe for like religious reasons, the parents have wanted to take a different yes. approach than the doctors, and that still that has to go through the court system um, potentially. Um, but if you have it clearly documented in a legally binding document that, you know, person X is in charge of my medical decisions, should I be in a car accident or should I, you know, have a, a procedure and there are some complications and I'm in a coma for two days, right? Someone, you need to empower somebody to make those decisions. So that's one aspect of, of things to think about, Claire. Yeah, wow. um, and it's really important because as an adult, I don't think I've designated anyone to make any decisions on my behalf. And like, I'm over 18 and my parents, thank God, are still alive, right? And then there's my brother. Mm, that's dubious. No, my brother and me get on fine. But like, you know, at the end of the day, I haven't said they can make decisions. I haven't even discussed anything with them. Like if I'm in a coma, what? like there's no, dis you just don't discuss it because right. you don't I, think it's going to happen. No. And then think of things wow. from a, a parental perspective, right? You've got kids under 18. So if something happens to you, who do you want being the guardian of your, of your child or your children? And you need to make sure that that's also legally documented because if you choose not to, then ultimately, at least in the United States, a judge is going to decide who will be responsible for your children. And do you really want a judge to be making that decision? What about, so, and, but also I want to go back to the health thing as well, right? Because it's extremely important and I see it happening um, quite a bit here, right? In the fact that people go, they split up from their partners and they've been married and they split up and they go, oh, well, we're okay. It's all right. We, um, we just, we separated and they might be separated for years, right? I mean, 10 years or whatever, right? But they're still married. And you go, oh my God, if, if you die, right? Or if you're on life support, because you're married, they are classed as your next of kin. And therefore, they make a decision yeah. as to the release of your body, the, you know, any medical decisions, because you've signed a legally binding contract with them that basically says you and them are in a marriage. And if you don't annul that legally binding contract, then they actually everything, have a right to yes. everything, right? Your everything, everything, your house, everything. your children, like everything, right. and so your if money they in the bank, everything. In their eyes, if they have anything to benefit then from your unfortunate passing, then when it comes to the medical decisions, they're going to be making the medical decision that's going to be like, oh, yeah, let's let's pull 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 pull, pull the plug. Yeah, like yeah, we're just pulling the plug. We're just going to pull the plug. 
happy days. Don't have to deal with the ex anymore. Get all their money and house. I mean, oh, I would hope, I would hope that there is nobody out there that's so evil to do that. But but you're you're leaving your life, your legacy, as you were saying previously, to an ex-partner. And it doesn't matter whether you get on well with them or not. If if they are not of the the person you would like to make yes. that decision, then divorce them, people. Get or a divorce. If you if you for but whatever yeah. reason, right? Because there yeah, are people who will separate, but they have their reasons potentially as to why they're not going to legally divorce. But then that's where these other legal legal documents become even more important. Because even though they may you may still technically be married. If you have legal documents that say, okay, well, someone else is going to be in charge of my medical decisions. Someone else is going to be the guardian of my children. Someone else is going to be in charge of my estate. Then that can't be disputed. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. What about if you've separated from your partner, divorced, whatever, right? You have children. And, um, it's, but you have a, so I have it in my will. Here we go to tell everyone. So everyone is listening to this. If I die, then we know this. It should. So I have it in my will that I have separate appointed guardians to look after my son. He does not automatically go to his father if his father's still alive. Um, so can you do that? Is that something you can stipulate? Um, or because I have 100% of my son. So is that something you can stipulate or does Claire, it automatically get put across the other what you've pair? done is, is, is appropriate. And as I'm not, I'm not an attorney, but the fact that you have it documented and no. that you do have 100% custody, I would like to think that you have done what you needed, what you've, what you need to do. And look, we're not giving any advice on this um, on this episode anyway. So, I mean, everything that we say on this episode is uh, if it's got a legal slant to it, it needs to be checked out with an attorney because I don't have a law degree in any stretch of no, the imagination. No, I don't. And, and then neither the other do you, challenging do you, part is, right, <laughs> Australia, right, you've got all the different um, states and in the United States, every 50, every 50 states is different. Um, so there's that nuance as well. Yeah. Who knows? I know. It's fantastic. We like one country yeah, and then we, we like to mix it up by splitting it into 52 or into the states that we've got. So, yeah, no, it's fair enough. Okay. So we talked about medical. We've gone through the kids as such. Um, what else do we need to consider? So there's assets, isn't there? So there's like what you own. Yes. Let's talk about assets because okay. um, I had said that I wanted to kind of come back to that. So even if yeah. you don't own a lot of physical property, right? You, I think you had used the example earlier, like, oh, I'm just renting my house, right? Even still, you know, maybe you have a car. Maybe you have photo albums. Maybe you have, I don't know, collectibles. I don't know, maybe there's Pokemon cards in, in your family, right? Maybe you have an email account, social media account, digital photos, right? So you have 
both physical and digital assets in your life. So from an organizing perspective, especially when it comes to the digital pieces, you want to make sure that you have, whether you've left breadcrumbs, whether you've made a spreadsheet or you have a document, you want to have the information captured somewhere so that your loved ones know what you have and where to find it. So I don't know, Claire, help me understand. So help me understand how things are in Australia. So I'm, um, I know your audience can't see me. I'm holding up uh, my water bill from two years ago. Right. We don't yep. get a water bill anymore in the mail. They send us an email. So I don't know what it's like in, okay. So same here. if same here. something happens, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, there would at least be something popping up in the mailbox of, oh, this bill needs to be paid or the insurance for the car or the apartment is due. Well, in this modern world of technology, most of that information, most of that, those bill notifications are coming into our inbox, even if it's for a physical thing, like, like my car insurance, right? You can see the car outside my home, but my loved ones are going to need to know, do I have a loan associated with that car? If I do all that information, what about the information for the insurance for the car? Here, I live in the state of Colorado. We have to get our cars registered with the state. They have to be inspected. So even if you don't live in what I call the McMansion, <laughs> there are physical things in your life that likely have a digital component to them. So having an inventory, if you, whatever you, you know, I, you know, some people call it an inventory. I just, I refer to just having all of that information kind of organized, make it easy for your loved ones, because the data is showing that even when you have everything organized and legally documented, at least in the U.S., it can still take a year and a half to settle <gasps> everything. And when you don't have them organized oh my God. in this digital age, attorneys have been telling me over the last year or two that that number and that duration is going up significantly. So here's, here's a story. I was talking to my doctor a couple wow. of months ago. I was just in for my, you know, for my annual checkup because I'm at the age now where like, you know, that's a thing. <laughs> I know, I and do as well. So I'm telling him like what I'm doing and how I'm helping people save their loved ones like time and money. And he actually, Claire, he had to sit down and he, he took a breath and he's like, I've got to tell you a story. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, can I get, can I get dressed first? Like, <laughs> 
anyway, he, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a goofball. I should have told your audience that at the beginning. Um, no, 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 so no, no, no. I love it. I love it. About his best buddy. <laughs> uh, about two years ago, his best buddy tragically and unexpectedly lost his wife. And they had two school age kids. The wife, similar to me, is in charge of, was in charge of household operations. So she's paying all the bills, everything. And she's paying everything electronically. And everything is going, everything was going into her email account. Yeah. The husband had no access to her email account. He had no idea. Which is what I do. What bills had been getting paid, what bills needed to get paid. Wow. He knew nothing. And because the loss was so unexpected, he's grieving. And he's trying to love on the kids and make the transition for them as easy as possible, right? Making sure that, you know, when they're ready, that they're still going to school, that they are still having play dates, they're still doing whatever extracurricular activities after school they want to do, spending time with the larger family, just quite frankly, just trying to get by every single day. Absolutely. Well, the surviving husband was so much in survival mode that it wasn't until like seven months after his wife passed that he comes home and discovers that the electricity was cut off because the bills hadn't been paid. And that's when he realized, he's like, oh my gosh, I haven't been paying the electric bill. Because you wouldn't think about it, would you? You'd be thinking about, I miss my wife. Correct. I've got to look after the kids. I've got to make sure the kids are okay. Yeah. What what am I going to make for dinner tonight? Because I've been too distracted with all of those things. And and so that's just like one example. So that's when he kind of had his wake up moment from a household operations perspective. Because like I said, not only did he not have um, access to his wife's email, but he didn't have access to any online account. He had knew no passwords. So at least in that moment, he was like, oh, he's like, I got, he didn't even know who the electric company was. So then he had to figure out all of those utilities, right? Well, cause you don't get a bill in the post, do you? So no. you like, no. So, so that was, I mean, for lack of a better description, right? That that's another that's a hot mess he's got to figure out in yeah. the midst of just this survival mode. Now this is thrown in. Then it lean, then it like kind of spreads to, oh my gosh, I haven't even paid a credit card bill in seven months. Now what, like, how do I fix that? I mean, this, this man was so overcome. I mean, that's why my doctor had to sit down and he starts telling me the story because I can yeah. see the emotion coming out of him. Um, so having all of that information captured, whether, and and then you add in the kids, right? Like these days, schools have online portals for, you know, the kids and, 
even doctors and medical information are now online. I, he didn't even know like the names of the doctors that the kids, you know, were going to. Um, so when you start thinking about how horrible this story is, it actually is a wonderful lesson of why it's so important to have all of these details captured in some form that your partner or the guardian of your children, heaven forbid that becomes a reality, or you know the person who's going to be in charge of um, handling your affairs legally, those individuals, whether they're all the same person or whether you choose different people for different aspects of your life, they all need to know this information. Yeah. Yeah, no, they definitely do. So, so with all of that, right, because that's a lot of information, right, where do you store it? It's like, do you write it down and have it physically stored off of your computer? Because I'm actually, I'm sitting here looking at my computer going, but my computer's got a password on it. My phone has my fingerprint on it, right? You can't get in unless I've got my fingerprint, right? Although there are like ways around that. But um, yeah, like what am I, <laughs> what would you be doing? Going to the morgue and going, getting a fingerprint, like people coming in with my phone and like fingerprinting or, you know, like, wow. Like it's- well, my husband, my husband's best friend just told me that story a few months ago. <gasps> yes. My husband's best friend owns like a consulting um, business and last fall, he had an employee lose a family member and like a, a bunch of the family members went to the director of the funeral home begging for access to the loved one's <gasps> body for that very reason to get, to get the thumbprint. And, wow. and let's think, I mean, COVID, I mean, I know like I personally, Ugh. I'm exhausted. I've got COVID exhaustion. But let's just think back two or three years ago. If you have your face programmed to unlock your phone, if you're on a ventilator, that's not going to It's not going to recognize you. It's not going to work. No. So you have to be thinking about backup plans. And um, I hate to say this, but if you're in a car accident, right, and it affects, like, you've got swelling on your face, all of those various different things, right, we're talking about a real morbid subject now, but, but the thing is, right, you've got to like <laughs> get old face recognition. Right. But I have to say like, hello, like if you're in a, like if I was in a fire, God forbid we're going down a real oh, gosh. dark avenue now, but no, but you know, I wouldn't have fingerprints yes. potentially. So exactly. Exactly. So you always, have, you got to have, a, even, even just in our everyday lives, you, we have to, as individuals have a backup plan to get into our phone. Um, and then there's that added dimension of, okay, if we are not around to help our loved ones, or if we're unable to help them, whether, you know, we're in a coma or we're, you know, on in a, a wheelchair or like, yeah. Or, or, yeah. And yeah. And we just simply can't communicate or we're just, I don't know, we are, are, we were in a freak accident and our jaw is locked shut for a month, right? Elite. Well, maybe then we could write. That's probably a good diet but, thing for me, though, having my jaw locked for a month. I'm happy to drink for a straw for a month. <laughs> Sorry, that's so bad. Sorry to all the people out there whose jaws do lock up. But, like, yeah, that would do me the world of good. 
Yeah. Well, I'm just loving this, Claire, because I'm just as bad as you. (laughs) Yeah. But just because this is a serious topic, I always tell people that doesn't mean we have to be serious when we're talking about it, right? You can take a little bit of a lighthearted approach and still hopefully get the message across. Yeah. Yes. Um, Yeah. It's just you and I are just maybe a little bit dark. (laughs) Yeah. So going back to your question, like, Okay, so where do you keep all of this stuff, yes. right? So I touched on earlier, different generations have different methods, right? So it's important to just figure out what works best for you if you as a single parent are going to capture all of this, right? What What's going to work best for you? Are you, are you more comfortable with it being in paper? Are you more comfortable making a document on your computer? Are you more comfortable using a password manager of some sort? Figure out what's going to work best for you. And then I would also encourage your audience to think about, well, what's going to also work for the person who's going to be, who I'm going to designate to be in charge, right? So if- Are you meaning the executor of your will? Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's the, yes, yes, the executor. So if your executor maybe might be of a different generation, maybe they're more comfortable with technology than you are. Maybe they're less comfortable with technology, right? If you are going to say, create a document that you're going to keep on your computer, well, then you also want to make sure that your, that your executor or whoever you've designated knows how to get into your computer and they know how to get into your cell phone what fold well what folder it's in because like if you looked at my computer i've got like oh i wouldn't even want to go into like the folders i've got on my computer but um but like yeah like where would they look for something like that and also i had another question while we were sitting talking about this Mm -hmm. where do you keep your will Do you actually, as a person who you've gone and got an attorney to complete your will, right? Yep. Where would you keep it? Do you keep it at home, physically at home with you? Do you keep it at your attorney's? Do you give copies out to everyone and then, like, then have to give copies out again when you're making the amendment? Like, where would you keep it? That's an excellent question. So I don't know what the Australian laws are, but here in the United States, and this may sound a little off the wall, but it is a fact. In the United States, wills are still required to be in paper form with wet signatures. So there is no such thing in the United States as having a digital will. Okay. Needs to be printed out. It has to be wet signatures, witnessed and all of that malarkey's. Yes. But then where do you keep that? Where do you keep that document? Well, I know some people who keep those documents, whether it's the will, the medical power of attorney, the financial power of attorney, the guardianship document. Um, If there's a special needs child involved, then there's usually some additional paperwork. Um, So I do know some people who are very comfortable keeping those documents Uh, in a safe deposit box at a bank, which is great because you know it's going to be secure and it's going to be protected. And then if you're choosing that option, it is 
absolutely vital to make sure that a loved one is going to be able to access that safe deposit box because they're going to have to be pre-approved and the bank's going to have to know about them while you're still alive. Um, so some people go that route. Other people feel more comfortable storing those papers at home. Now, I live in Colorado and we live under the threat of wildfires. So I have a seven-year-old, so we live under the threat <laughs> of him picking up a piece of paper and coloring on it. So, yeah. Um, so, you know, depending on, you know, where you're located, you know, you may want to keep those papers at home, whether they're in a filing cabinet or a lockbox. I don't know, maybe some people keep them in their sock drawer. I don't know. But it's important for your loved ones to know where they can find those documents. And knowing that those documents are generated by an attorney, the attorney is also going to have a, a, a record of those documents as well. So then it's also important and incumbent for you to at least say to your loved ones or your executor, hey, FYI, I have these five legal documents. Here is the contact information for my attorney. Here is where the documents are stored. Because if you are, heaven forbid, in an accident, whoever's in charge of your medical decisions is going to have to produce that document relatively yeah. quickly so that they can make the decisions that, they, that needs to be that need to be made. Um, now, going back to storing documents at home, like I mentioned, right, you've, you live under threat of those documents being colored over or painted. I, well, I live under the threat. We're of, Australia. We, we're Australia as well, right? So we have bushfires, we have floods, we have locusts, we have like, you know, everything that you could think of that's going to hit us, we normally get it. So typhoids, uh, typhoons, mm -hmm. like, you know, electrical storms that then can, you know, yeah. Like. So what if, what if one of those natural events happen and you have your papers at home, but you're not home, whether you're at the market or whether you're on holiday, right? So I really advocate for people to at least have a digital backup yeah. of those important documents and then have that backup be in a cloud that even if you can't get home to get to your device that you can log in from a computer somewhere else and get those documents get access to them yeah. and and god love the cloud because i have to say it's yeah you know and it look i'm not sure mm. Not sure Google's that secure and safe, right? To have documents like that on there, um, so you need to be able to make sure that you're putting it in the cloud, but somewhere safe, um, so that you know they they can't get hacked, and you know anyone can have access to them. But um, yeah, yeah, um, wow. okay, that's that's insane. So, okay, so we've covered off the digital stuff, documenting it, mm -hmm. making sure. Um, see, being 
being a project program manager, I would sit there and go, right, I'd have a physical copy. I'd have a digital copy in the cloud. Yeah. I would like, yeah, it would be all over the place. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just bizarre because you just don't know what's going to happen. You like don't. you don't know if you're going to have any time to tell anyone or show anyone. You may just go. Right. And then they've got a rifle through your filing cabinet. Right. And if you think about it, our phones... I mean, there's a, there's a commercial now that I'm seeing where Apple is associating the phone with our wallets. So yes. meaning our phones are basically now an extension of ourselves. And yeah. as such, like, you know, back when I was a teenager, right back in the eighties, you know, I had, I had a little diary with a fake little padlock that like anyone could get into, but at least it made me feel better that like, you know, mom wasn't going to read my loving your work. I had one of those as well. Right. Um, but today, you know, we treat our phones very similarly. We don't want people to access our phone, but yet our loved ones or our executor is gonna need access to our phone. Oh yeah. Um, and so if there's anything that your audience can take away today, my suggestion is make sure someone can access your phone. Now, does that mean that you have to give them the password this moment? No, you could, I don't know, write the password down on a piece of paper and hide it someplace and you tell them, you can go find the password to my phone, I don't know, between the mattresses or, you know, you just want to make sure that heaven forbid something happens that someone can access your phone. So if you're not comfortable with someone accessing your phone right now, it's important that you leave breadcrumbs behind so that they will be able to access your phone if you are in a position and that you're not able to tell them how to do it. You could make a paperweight of your thumb <laughs> and then if there are any issues, right, right, we keep it on your desk, whatever. If there are any issues, then your relatives can get the paperweight thumb that you've made out of rubber, latex, whatever, and then they could use that to open up you. I mean, there's many myriad of yeah. ways you could do it. Yeah. But, yeah, and no, then, that's um, fair enough. Things like Google, Facebook, and Apple all have mechanisms or features that you can go into your account and you can legally designate someone to have access to those accounts. So Apple calls it a legacy ID. Uh, Google calls it an inactive account manager. Facebook or Meta also calls it a legacy contact. And when you sign up for those accounts, you are agreeing to their terms of service and their privacy wow. policies, which state you can, you can trust us, Claire. I am Apple. I am Google. You can trust me, Claire. We are not going to give access to your data to anybody unless, Rubbish. unless we tell them. And so there have been loved ones who have attempted to go to the courts to get access to loved ones, Facebook accounts or Google, Google accounts. Um, and the courts have sided with the companies because it's <gasps> clearly stated in their terms of service agreement, you know, that like 117 page yeah. document that nobody, I know, reads. That nobody ever reads and you just tick. Yeah. Yeah. 
in the fine print, it says no one's going to have access to your account. But wow. you can tell us who you want to have access you to. You want to have account. access. Yeah. Yes. So that's another thing no, that um, yeah. your audience can do. No, and thank God they've got that there, but it also is there to cover them as well. So that's just, yeah. that's just crazy. That's crazy. So how often should you actually review this stuff? Well, from a legal perspective, um, I think I touched earlier, like I, I encourage people like once a year, like once you have okay. your legal documents in place, every year maybe two just at least ask yourself okay everything's still good right and then if things have changed um that should be a trigger then to work with the attorney to do an update in terms of all the other things that we talked about right bills streaming accounts um access to your devices and to your email it's important to, to have that inventory or that list or that information for your loved ones as current as possible. So you, yeah, it's like when you move house and you make a list of everything, like it's like doing it again, really. Pretty much. Yes. And, or as my, it's like having an Excel spreadsheet. Sorry for people who don't know what an Excel spreadsheet is, but in the world of IT, it's like our God, but having an Excel spreadsheet that lists everything like down yep. that or a word document that lists everything down that basically says, right, this is my water provider. This is, you know, my electric, my gas, and mm -hmm. um, these are the passwords associated with it or whatever. And just making sure that all of that information is secure because you don't want somebody dodgy getting in there and right. having a look at an Excel spreadsheet. Um, but yeah, but at least making sure that it's all there documented and somebody knows where it is. Yes. And, and trying to think of like another use of that information. Um, what if, I mean, a couple of years ago, my credit card got compromised. So for all of the bills that I have on auto pay, right, then I had oh. to go digging through and be like, okay, well, what, yeah. what accounts do I have to update and change that credit card information for? Um, so there are other uh, circumstances that it would be helpful to have all that information organized so that you don't have to go through that like oh my gosh I have to go figure this out oh wow I'm knackered I'm knackered now there's so much to think about and I'm sitting here going I really need to reassess everything and probably need to write stuff down so that if I do pop my clogs that um, somebody will be able to access at least my computer and my phone because that's got my life on it, yes, right? Absolutely. Um, so if somebody wanted to get in contact with you or if anyone's got any questions and they want like to get additional um, answers to it, where do they find you, Kate? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, I my business is called The Digital Wrangler. So I have my website is the digitalwrangler.com. I'm on most social channels under the same handle. And so you can follow along or check out my website. I've got a lot of resources uh, listed on there. And yeah, yeah I'm, I'm always here to help. Awesome. No, that's great. I think, well, you have helped, helped a heap, helped me a heap, helped me a heap today. So look, um, 
got one final question for you and it'll be interesting actually considering everything that we've covered right because you've just given out so much advice to people but what is a piece of advice that you've been given that you still use today what a provocative question you have to be for me i have to be open you have to be right. open to things changing whether that's mm. technology changing relationships changing um open just to learning new ideas and open quite frankly to having these not so pleasant conversations um i have found that that has served me very well going back to even being like a teenager just being open and asking questions and i've had mentors over the years actually like kind of emph emphasize that with me of like wow kate you're really good at this keep doing that um so that's my advice just just be open and especially when it comes to this unpleasant traditionally taboo topic where we don't have a lot of people to look up to in terms of having these difficult conversations you know be open at show the other per give the other person some grace because we're all figuring this all out together oh yeah no definitely definitely fantastic thank you for that thank you for today um it's been awesome talking to you i could talk to you for hours about well, about this subject which is like i don't know maybe not the best subject to talk about but i could i could talk to you for hours thank you so much for coming on board and just educating us on this estate management side of things that we none of us want to talk about well thank you so much claire for for having me i too have enjoyed the conversation and i I hope to be, make it down under uh, in a year and a half or so. Maybe we can get together and wow! And you can show oh, me some definitely. of the scary spiders that you need to avoid in Australia. There aren't. Well, they're not that many. They hide away from us. It's more like the scary snakes that you come across as you're walking along the along the street or whatever. Well, not the street, sorry, but along like nature nature areas and things like that. But that's okay. Everything wants to kill you here. I don't know why I moved here 15 years ago, but um, yeah, no, yeah, it's spiders, it's snakes, and and God love the Aussies because they're all like, yeah, she'll be all right. It's okay. Nothing will come after you. It's all good. So yeah, it's a it's a good place to live. It's a great mentality. I hope you can like let me know. Keep in contact, and um, yeah, we'll uh, show you the sites down here in Victoria. Melbourne, Victoria. sounds great, Claire. I look forward to it. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast and you would like to hear more, please hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. If you would like to support us further, share this episode with your friends and family. And finally, drop us a review on iTunes as I'd love to hear your thoughts, comments and ideas. It all helps me to understand and produce awesome content you want to hear just like this. If you want to check out our past episodes, write to us, appear on the podcast, or for links, resources, and show notes, go to our website, www.strongsingleandhuman.com. 
We are also on all the usual social media platforms, Insta, Facey and Twitter. I hope you have a wonderful week and I hope to see you back here again soon. Be kind to yourself and remember, no one is perfect. We're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best. I'm Claire Martin and you've been listening to the Strong, Single and Human podcast. Podcast.